Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His words so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Word people, that's who we are. We believe in the word. Word people win people. Word people is not about you getting fat in your head and spiritual and quote 25 verses, you know, the Greek and the Hebrew and all that. that. That's ridiculous. Word people know the mission of the church and the mission of the church is that Jesus Christ came to seek and save that which is lost. A mature person always is sharing, looking for opportunities, not just to grow big. Growing big is useless. It's taking it out to the world. The wisest man in the world said that everything is meaningless, utterly meaningless. King Solomon said this in the book of Ecclesiastes, the Old Testament. Pastor Mark will tell us that he meant that life without a personal relationship with God is meaningless. Nothing we do is of any lasting value. Nothing we do can change the course of events. And yet God has placed each of us here in this day and age to make a difference. That difference can mean the world in someone else's life. Every Christ follower can tell someone about Jesus. That is not meaningless. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Psalms, chapter 119, verse 9, with our continuing study entitled, Assured, Encouraged, and Warned. You can't leave here and go, up. put it in my pad, look at this, right there's my notes, man, praise God. When will you ever look at them again? Well, I don't know, there they are. I love you taking notes, you should take notes. Tony, you don't take notes, you know how much you remember when you leave here? It's about how much you remember. Nothing. So, you can apply it. When you get the sticky notes, does Balmer say that? Well, yeah, that was point number three. Oh. I'm trying to teach you, I love you. But you can't just do it here. You have to apply it. So get yourself into a community group. Get yourself into a small group. Get four of you together. Do the sticky notes. That's how this works. Can you imagine? Can you imagine this week in Boston? If all those guys that did this amazing things that happened, the amazing thing that happened, all of those guys passed all of their education, police, FBI, they passed it all with their head, but had no practical experience. How do you think it would have ended? But see, they, they knew because they had experienced this how to do it. That's what I'm trying to challenge you with today. Now, when you think about that, look at these words quickly. I'm going to go through them. Here's what the Bible says. Watch. 
cautions. Let the word, the Bible, dwell in you richly. It becomes part of us. As you teach and admonish one another with the wisdom. See, anybody that uh, has a conversation, if God opens a door, you begin to share. Well, this is the principle I word, and I'll share with one. This is the principle that I learned. And here's what we learned last week from Pastor Mark. I can't be at outs with people in the church and say I love God. So I have to kind of get that thing in my marriage and all the different places we talked about last week. Look at the next ones quickly. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit. The way I defeat Satan is with the word of God. So here's what I want you to write. All of our campuses, knowing and obeying the word is what brings victory and spiritual maturity. So John says to these young believers, right on. I'm encouraging you, man. Go for it. Good job. You've learned to defeat the enemy. By the way, we'll learn a little more next week. Jesus, the minute he headed into ministry, he heads into the wilderness. 40 days of temptation by Satan. Three times. He defeated Satan by quoting the word of God and then submitting to it. See, you just can't quote it. You have to submit to the plan of God. If you're ever going to live in victory, you must have a good knowledge of the word of God, then obey it, then apply it, and then live it. It's a process. Now, we've taken brand new Christians. We've taken young, young Christians that are maturing. Now we're going to go to the, to the fathers, the older mature. Proverbs 29, 20, verse 29. I want to see where you fit at all of our campuses right now. Here's what it says. The glory of young men is in their strength. Gray hair is the splendor of the old. <laughs> Look around you. What do you see there? You see young men or, or do you see gray hair? Nothing to be ashamed of. Their muscles aren't quite the same anymore. Those of you that are bald, I, I think you're out of the Bible. I don't know what really happened there. It's, sorry. And those of you that don't have gray hair, somebody's helped you. I know your age. All right, no. Let's go back to, let's go back to 1 John verse, chapter 2, verse 13. Watch the transfer. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him, God, who's from the beginning. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him, verse 14, who's from the beginning. I read that and I think... John's got Alzheimer's. Well, it's the same thing twice. No, what he's making is an emphasis. As you mature in the Lord, the thing that's important is that you experientially know God and you keep knowing God. It's not anything. It's it's the foundation of your life. Write it like this this morning. This third category are mature people. Fathers, people mature in their faith. How did that happen? Years of walking with, listening, and obeying God. See, they knew God. They just didn't know about God. They absolutely knew God. There's a huge difference between religion and relationship. Knowing about God from your classes or history or church will never bring you spiritual maturity. That's why people have been confused in the church. You say to somebody, how you doing? Wonderful. How long have you been a Christian? 48 years. Are you mature? Absolutely. 48 years. Well, that means nothing. That means nothing. You can have a person that's been a Christian two years that's growing way more than you at 48 years. Doesn't have to be the way. But see, maturity is not related to that. So how do you really get to know someone? John says, these people are mature, really know God. How do you get to know somebody? You spend time with them. My wife... 
knows me. I know my wife. 47 years this year. How would I know that? Because I'm a smart guy. (laughs) Now, how do we know each other? Because we spend every day with each other. A mature believer understands that God, the Holy Spirit, lives in them. These people that John's writing to, he's going right on. Terrific. I'm encouraging you. I'm assuring you that your walk with God is growing. See, they had a long-standing relationship. They continued to grow and mature in their walk with God. Now, I want you to look at me because I want to say something to you. Spiritual maturity cannot be fast-tracked. There is simply no substitute for years of an experiential relationship with Jesus. You can't forward it. It simply comes day in and day out. Now, I've been a Christian more than 60 years. I'm still maturing. And by the way, every category that we talked about today, the new believer, the the young believer that's growing, and the mature believer, none of us are sinless. We're still working at it. Paul, at the end of his life, said, I haven't arrived. If Paul didn't arrive, good luck for me. And don't laugh, good luck for you too. So we're sinning less, we're working, but we should be able to learn, and that's the thing valuable. In our churches, I was sitting with somebody uh, last night, and they were saying, uh, actually, it was at McDonald's. And they said, your church is such amazing. You have such a wide variety of people, all kinds of nationalities, all kinds of ages, all these young families with kids, and yet you have the older people. I said, that's exactly right. Now, let me challenge you. You that are older and mature, hopefully, by both work together, you need to be around the younger people. You, you can teach us a lot. And I believe I can teach you a lot. Just because of where God's had me and all the times I've failed. I had my devotion on Friday. And I want to write down a verse that came to me. And I, and I put it down. And I want you to see it. You know it. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And I'm not a writer. But I wrote this. And I believe God wanted me to read it to you this morning. Listen. We are all on a journey to our real home, heaven. We have God living in us. We have God's word illuminating our steps on the path of life. Remember, as Christ followers, we are walking in the light. He is the light. Every morning, take time to be with God in his word. If I could say anything to you that would encourage you and assure you that you'll grow in the Lord, every morning, take time to be with God in his word. Listen. His encouragement, his loving correction, and his divine guidance awaits. Let me say it again. His encouragement, his loving correction, and his divine guidance awaits you as you set aside and honor him with some of your time. The only way to do life is with him and his word. And by the way, as we journey on the way home, we need to invite others to go with us. That must always be in the heart of a maturing believer. And then I wrote this, and I want you to write it this morning. Word people, that's who we are, we believe in the word. Word people win people. 
Word people is not about you getting fat in your head and spiritual and quote 25 verses, you know, the Greek and the Hebrew and all that. that. That's ridiculous. Word people know the mission of the church. And the mission of the church is that Jesus Christ came to seek and save that which is lost. A mature person always is sharing, looking for opportunities. Not just to grow big. Growing big is useless. It's taking it out to the world. Now, all of you, and I'm encouraging you to do this, would you uh, get on your Facebook, all of you that do Facebook, and, and just write some things that you've learned as you've matured in the Lord. Just write a few little lines. It could be a verse or it could be a principle or whatever. Do that and point them back to this, this passage so they can come back online, people that don't know the church, and they can watch the service or whatever. Just link it back. Those of you that are older and don't know Facebook, you're saying, what the heck is Facebook? Just get your grandchild. They'll put you, they'll sign you right up, baby, and you'll be stuck in that sucker forever trying to find all these people that died and whatever. But put this in there. Put these people in there, would you? That'd be a good thing, right? Here's what I thought about. Here's what I thought about. Be encouraged because God is faithful and he never fails. I've learned that. Be assured that God answers prayer. Be warned that God's plans are better for you than any plan you can ever come up with. I've learned that the hard way. Be encouraged. You're loved by God. Be encouraged this morning. What God started, he'll finish. And be encouraged. Listen to and obey God's warnings. Be smart. Listen to and obey God's warning. Here's the bottom line. Let me give you this. Here's the bottom line. Your father always knows best. How many remember that television program? But we have a heavenly father. By the way, you watch TV today? The father is an idiot. He's always stumbling. He always fails. That is not our father this morning. He always knows best. Now, Look at verse 15. Here's the warning. This is what I'm going to teach next week. Do not love the world or anything in the world. This is the warning. If anyone loves the world, well, the love of the Father is not him. Next week, we're going to learn why God warned us about the world's power to negatively affect our vision, our values, and our destination. It's interesting. We'll spend a week on that spiritual warfare. John talks about the Antichrist that were in the world 2,000 years ago. Did you know this morning there's lots of antichrists in the world right now? I'm sure I'll take a little trip to Revelation and talk about the real antichrist that's coming. So you don't want to miss it because this world is plummeting to hell fast. But we have the answer. Now, I can also learn from characters in the Bible. God never hides characters in the Bible. And I want you this morning to turn to Ecclesiastes. It's, the, it's a great book by King Solomon. He wrote three. Ecclesiastes, you'll see where it is here in a minute. It's about halfway through the Old Testament, basically. Now, Solomon was a king. He was King David's son. And he wrote three books. The book of Proverbs. He wrote the book of Song of Solomon. But in his old age, he wrote this book, Ecclesiastes. All of our campuses, chapter 1. Now, when you get there, I want you to look at me because I want to give you some uh, understanding. King Solomon was one of the richest and wisest men in the world. From his younger years, he had the ability to pursue purpose, meaning, possessions, pleasure, power, prestige. From the beginning, you name it, Solomon tried it. We all know the thing about a bucket list. 
Solomon's bucket list had been filled numerous times. There was nothing he couldn't do. He had all the resources. He had all the power. He did it. He was educated. He built. He had queens and kings coming to see him. He had more money than you can ever imagine. He had horses. He had a thousand wives and concubines. Nothing. And at the end of his life, Solomon kind of looks back and he writes for us what he discovered. That's pretty valuable when somebody at the end of the life is honest. And he writes something very interesting. Now look at just for a second. If you're going to write a book, would you put at the beginning of the book the end of the book? Then why read the rest of it? In one verse, he sums up his life. In one verse, the richest, wisest man in all the world. He sums up his life. Look at it. Verse 2. Solomon says this. Meaningless. Meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Does anybody have an idea what he just said to us? Life is what? Tell me it's meaningless. Well, Pastor Mark, hello, what does that mean? Here's what it means. Look at me. This is the, the Old Testament understanding of this word. Unfulfilling, worthless, empty, zero, futility, no lasting satisfaction. Let me give you an illustration. When I taught the book of Ecclesiastes, I went and bought a big bottle of soap bubbles. Those of you that have grandkids, you all definitely know what that is. Solomon put that little probe in. Money. What happens to a bubble after a little while? But kind of pretty for a while. Then he built buildings. Wow. Amazing. Women. Thousand of them. What did he discover? Initial? Mm Mm-hmm. Right on. The end? Nothing. What does he mean? Here's what he learned, and I want you to write it down. It'll be the wisest thing to me in the Old Testament, other than the two keys at the end, what Solomon always gives. Look what he says. Meaning in life is only found in a personal relationship with God. See, what Solomon tried to do is live life under the sun. That means without God. He had the ability to do whatever he could do as a human. More than, you'll never be able to do it, I'll never be able to do it. But if I'm wise, I can learn from somebody that had it all, tried it all, did it all, and it was absolutely bubbles that brought nothing to his life. That's wisdom. And then go to chapter 12, and he gives us the next Two important principles. Maybe the next two important principles of your life and mine as well. Chapter 12, look at verse 13. Here's how he ends it. Now all has been heard. He's written the whole book. Lots of neat things in there. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Two things, not complicated. Fear God and keep his commandments. Fear God And keep his commandments. In other words, make sure your life is connected to God. 
Because without God, you will never find purpose and meaning. Every road that Solomon took was a dead end. He wasted his life going and coming on dead ends. Now, the fear of the Lord, you don't need to write this, but you need to understand it. The fear of the Lord is to worship and respect and love God so much. It's not a fear. like oh, I fear. No, it's to, it's to worship and respect and love Him so much that we desire to obey Him. The fear of the Lord relates to His character. We acknowledge that He's our Creator, He's our Father, He's our Boss. You see, the fear of the Lord is more than reverential trust. It, it means that I'm afraid of displeasing Him. But that balanced fear of the Lord is no good unless there's a follow-through. Here's the second thing you want to write. Knowing truth is not enough. We must obey truth. You see, the person who truly fears God will know his word, obey it, and apply it. We have a personal God who set up moral standards. He alone knows what the purpose in life really is. You, you cannot discover purpose and meaning in life without a personal relationship with God. You have to be a child of God. You have to be adapted into his family. Now, I want to put a verse up, and we're going to do two things. I want anybody leaving at any of our campuses. At the end of the moment, after we pray, we're going to all stand, and we're going to re- recite the Lord's Prayer together because our Father is in heaven. Now, I want you to look at this verse again. All of us that are Christians here this morning, notice this verse, John chapter 1. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children. You're a child of God. You have a heavenly father. And the Lord's Prayer talks about how much he cares for us, how much he wants you to be encouraged this morning, how much he's going to care for you wherever you're at in life. Temptations, trials, difficulties, no money, a million things. He's going to take care of you. But some of you here in Melbourne and Sebastian and Vera and the work camp and those who watch on, you're not yet a believer. You've never changed kingdoms from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God. How do you do that? Well, here's how you do it. You have to believe and you have to repent. You have to say you're sorry for your sins and you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. Then he'll come and live in you. You receive and then you become. Understand, look at me. God is offering you the opportunity to be his child. It's already paid for, but you have to receive it. So I'm going to pray this morning and we're going to ask Christians to bow our heads on all our campuses, nobody moving. And, and I want you to pray for those people that are around you. And if you want to want to have your sins forgiven, if you want to go to heaven when you die, if you want to have a relationship with God that brings purpose in me in your life, I'm going to ask you just to quietly stand wherever you're at. Nobody's going to look. I'm just here. And I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer quietly under your breath. If you pray that prayer, God will change your life. You want it. You need it. Now, some of you are backslidden. You're a prodigal child. You used to walk with God. Somehow you got on a detour and you're off wherever. And you've discovered it's a dead end. Well, it's time to come home to the Father. You stand. It's never too late to start doing right. Now, let me give you a warning. One of the things that Satan does always, for those of you that are not a Christian yet, here's what Satan's saying in here. What that guy told you is right. But later, and I heard a great pastor from the 1800s say this, later usually becomes never. Did you understand what I just said? That's why Jesus says what? Today is the day of salvation. What we've learned so far in this series is that our Father always knows best. 
He has taught us how to love and treat others and how to love Him. We can be encouraged that God is faithful and His love will never fail us. You can be assured that your prayers will always be answered. Pastor Mark told us that the bottom line is that our Heavenly Father knows best, always. That should encourage and assure you that you are loved. Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. There's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on Today's Date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. Now, the next time you join us here on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will talk about the three enemies that we face every day as we walk through this life. See, the Bible calls us to live apart from this world. We're not to love this world because as Christ followers, this would this world has nothing to offer. This world only satisfies those who follow Satan, and Satan is not a friend to Christ followers. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer. Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living and together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His word made flesh in a hurting world New hope he is giving Lord let us hear your lessons